Adam Gibson? Who are you? We have a little situation. Will you come with us, please? There's been a sixth day violation. A human was cloned. That human was you. Welcome to Now Playing Podcast Review of The Sixth Day. But if the secret ever did come out, with the law the way it is now, he'd be put to sleep like a rabid dog. Hosted by Brock. I wish I could say the one and only. Stuart. He's not the clone. You're. And Arnie. Don't look any different to you. But be warned, this episode will contain detailed plot spoilers and strong language. Now, I don't want to expose it to any graphic violence. Surely it gets enough of that from the media. We hope you enjoy the show. Have a nice flight, gentlemen. Thank Ta-ta. you. Today we're talking about The Sixth Day, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Rappaport, Tony Goldwyn, Michael Rooker, Sarah Winter, Robert Duvall, <laughs> directed by Roger Spottiswood. This is Brock in the near future, but sooner than you think, co-host of Now Playing. And Stuart, I'm Simpal Arnie, co-host of Now Playing. Will you be my mommy? <laughs> nice. This day was eventual. We knew it was going to come. I'm not sure if the listeners need to know this, but all of us are the clones of ourselves. Our real selves are taking the night off. Me, I'm just happy that tomorrow's the seventh day because that means after 15 years of podcasting, I get one day of rest. I haven't had one day of rest <laughs> in 15 years, folks. Funny you should mention 15 years. I'd like to just bring attention to the fact we're not quite calling it an Arnold retrospective, but we've tried to focus on all the movies that we haven't already covered that sort of defined his action hero persona. He's 15 years into that when we get to the sixth day. When he made Commando, he's 37 years old and his fans, us, we are tweens and teenagers. And now this man is 52, and that audience is 30-something. 26, thank you. I was 26. Whatever, Arnie. Again, (laughs) tweens and teens. I'm talking about not you and your fear of aging. I'm talking about the audience of the people that loved him in his heyday. It is really hard for an icon of any stripe to be able to reinvent themselves in a new era. Very few actors have several decades of good hits. And Arnold, at this point, I think this movie is important because it is Arnold literally trying to clone Total Recall. He is literally just going to say, I'm remaking that movie (laughs) because I know I can't compete. My gritty horror David Fincher thing ain't cutting it. And I need to just do what I used to do as if that would still play 15 years later. I had the same thought with Jim Carrey when he did Yes Man. That seemed to me to be pretty much Bruce Almighty all over again. Oh, I thought it was Liar Liar all over again. All right, Liar Liar. (laughs) Take your pick. There you go. Fair enough. You're probably right. I had the wrong movie, but the point is still very valid that he tried to go off and do other things to reinvent himself, didn't work, had to go back to what's tried and true, which is not telling the truth or, you know, has omnipotent power or whatever it was. And it didn't work in Yes Man. It just felt kind of weird, also considering he was paired with a much younger woman, much like 
here, it seems like he's a little too old to have such a younger wife and a younger daughter. But hey, whatever, it's Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, it's you can't hate the guy for getting older. We're all older. That's my point. The audience gets older. You want to age with them. As they grow and change and get into new things, you want to be able to do that as well. And Arnold, I don't know. I don't know how you reinvent him, frankly. I don't know what he had that's malleable. I mean, his body is aging. He is not as muscular and, and muscle-toned as he was. Nobody is. That's why bodybuilding is a young man's sport. And that was primarily what he had to offer. He never was a good actor. They took his non-acting as part of the punchline and called him a robot that kicked ass. And that kind of worked for him when he was fit. But now that he's not fit... I don't know. This is a really interesting moment for any icon to face, having to relive your past and knowing you don't have the tools you once did. You know, you say you want to age with your audience, but there is a complete other way to go, and it seems to be the way a lot of bands are going, is you don't age with your audience, you stay frozen at a moment in time. You stop putting out new albums, you only play the hits. Look at KISS. KISS hasn't put out a new album in 20 years, they continue to sell out stadiums playing the same songs that they've played since 1974, they just keep doing the exact same thing. So, hey, Here's Arnold's greatest hits being done when I'm older. Seems like a way to go, taking Total Recall and putting it through the puree. Yeah, and how do you feel about Total Recall? It should be said, we've covered that movie, but it was part of the Philip K. Dick retrospective that, Arnie, you were not a part of. I consider it one of Arnold's, like, most enjoyable action movies. It's a shame we couldn't include it in this, because I actually think it's both a really stupid but fun action movie and kind of a smart science fiction film. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch nowadays, too, especially with as the special effects continue to age. It's still fun to watch that movie, whereas the remake we also covered on that retrospective Oof. Uh, doesn't have the same amount of charm to it. Uh, that original Total Recall still plays well, and if you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah, I really like it. In the Philip K. Dick retrospective series, Total Recall would be my favorite film. While I would probably have the most respect for Blade Runner, I just love Total Recall I've watched it a ton, and from seeing it in theaters through today, yeah, it's endlessly quotable, endlessly fun, definitely up there as one of Arnold's best movies. Probably the best he did without James Cameron. Right. So, yeah, if he's going to clone one of his movies, this is one to clone. I, I'm okay with the idea that he's going to try to do Total Recall 10 years later, maybe with a little twins DNA thrown in as well. So the director here is one of my least favorite James Bond directors, Roger Spottiswood. <laughs> if you listen to our James Bond retrospective, you will know that I am not a fan of Tomorrow Never Dies. A lot of people like that Pierce Brosnan entry. I am not one of them. And the only other thing I've seen of this guy, I think, was Turner and Hooch. And, of course, we can't forget, we always should mention this every single time we talk about this director. He also directed Stop or My Mom will shoot. <laughs> I still mean to get to that one day. It just seems like a perfect bad movie. It's a wonderfully bad movie. And yeah. you will be able to watch it and sit through it and not like have your eyes burn as you watch it, but you realize the entire time, yeah, this is dreadful. 
Yeah, Spotted Wood is not always the king of fluff, but you have named some of his fluffiest issues. <laughs> he actually tries to be political. A lot of times he tries to inject some kind of topicality into his Hollywood action pictures. He made uh, Air America, which was mm -hmm. kind of about the Vietnam mm -hmm. War, and he made that movie about curing AIDS and the band played on. He did a movie with Nick Nolte as a war photographer in Nicaragua called Under Fire. So, you know, he tries to take topics that matter, fuse it with a Hollywood. Even that Bond movie, the Bond villain was Rupert Murdoch, and they were trying to say something about yellow journalism. But yeah, I think that movie is absolutely one of the very worst Bond films. And I do think his pretensions uh, rarely pay off. Rarely do I feel like his films actually deliver on what he's aspiring to do. Well, here in this movie, they talk about cloning, and they mention it right off the top of the movie with Dolly the Sheep. At this time in the world, mm -hmm. cloning and cloning of human beings was something that was being discussed. They were talking about laws and things like that, about the ethics and the practicality. Would they be organs being cloned, things like that? All sorts of discussions are being brought up because of that one sheep that was successfully cloned. Semi. Semi-clone, <laughs> whatever. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it didn't last very long if you looked at the history of Dolly. But yeah, it, for a couple of years, it was the hot shit. It sure was. <laughs> and so this is a topical idea that makes a lot of sense to make into a Hollywood movie. The, the, the premise is solid of this movie. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you right mm -hmm. up front. It's completely solid as a premise. What they do with the movie will be discussing. And just while we're discussing what's topical and things, can I just off the top say how much this movie got right about the near future? <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm all ears. Wow. Like what? Give me an example. Oh, wow. There is so much, like, people are walking around having phone calls with nothing in their hands. They're using basically AirPods in this movie, and that was very futuristic in the year 2000. There's the refrigerator that says you're getting low on milk and you push a touchscreen on the front of the refrigerator and it orders you more milk. Guess what? They sell that shit now. There's the pay with the thumbprint and that's yep. basically Apple Pay now because you use your thumbprint in order to activate the slightly older model of iPhone in order to then pay that transaction. Okay, but they're not cloning <laughs> people. There are not duplicates of folks walking around. No, I'm talking about its overall tech vibe. I feel like they worked with actual futurists on this and said, where is tech going? Instead of just sitting around and having Johnny Cab. They worked with the husband and wife team who wrote National Treasure, Bad Boys 2, and the Shaggy DA reboot. But I know what you mean. Yes, the production designers. I think that's a different impulse, what you're talking about. Yes, production designers saw what the near future would look like and made the proper aesthetics. This screenwriting team, I only wish that it were a debate. I mean, we'll get into it when we talk about the movie, but you're right. Cloning was a hot-button issue. There's all kinds of ethics you could talk about it. I mean, this movie is ultimately about don't take the CEO on a snowboarding trip. Like, it really doesn't capture anything about cloning. Yeah, okay, we're not doing a hard-boiled political thriller here. We're doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie, and I just want to say two of the three movies you mentioned, I will stand by. I've already mentioned, I think, on this very retrospective, I could be wrong about that, that the Shaggy Dog reboot is actually a pretty good movie for a reboot, and Robert Downey Jr. is very, very good in that. But this movie is doing what I think it needs to do for its star, for its premise, 
I don't think the screenplay necessarily would be the problem here. All right, well, let's talk about it. I definitely feel like, yes, it is a screenplay that has the future in the mind. At the same time, it realizes it needs to resuscitate an old action star's career. And it did not. It's also worth pointing out that this was a big bomb. I wasn't even paying attention to Arnold. End of Days was the end of Arnold on my radar until he became a politician. This one came in fourth, Thanksgiving Y2K, behind, and this has got to hurt, Rugrats in Paris, the Jim Carrey Grinch, and Charlie's Angels. All of it beat it at the box office. It barely bested a Gwyneth Paltrow, Ben Affleck romance called Bounce. Bounce, yeah, Bounce Boy. I actually saw two of those movies in the theater instead of seeing this one. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there you go. And you and everyone else. This is, I think this, this is the first one to lose money. I saw this opening weekend in theaters with my wife. We were oh. just dating back then, but Arnold action film, sci-fi film seemed like a pretty good time. So we were there. We were some of the few, very few, who put our money towards this movie losing money. Yeah, 80 million budget. It only grows 35 in America, 60 more internationally. Usually foreign box office saves Arnold's ass, even the bad ones. In this case, this is, I think, the first one since like Red Sonia to actually end up in the red. No profit. How about a plot summary so we can get going on the sixth day? In the near future, technology has advanced. This includes cloning. Now if you lose your pet, a company called Repet can restore your beloved beast as a new cloned animal. They even are able to transfer memories so the pet's personality and behavior are unchanged. However, after some early failures... Cloning on humans is illegal under what are called the Sixth Day Laws. There are groups who think that all cloning should be illegal, that it's an abomination against God, but tides are slowly turning in the political realm to perhaps again open that door to human cloning. Replacement Technologies is the company at the cutting edge of cloning, and its billionaire owner, Michael Drucker, played by Tony Goldwyn, is trying to push the needle to allow human clones to be recognized as human beings. In secret, of course... Decker is running a small-scale human cloning facility aided by Dr. Griffin Weir, played by Robert Duvall. Oh, good lord. Robert Duvall. Man, come on. If you need money, just give me a call or something. Come on, man. What are you doing? <laughs> Drucker himself is a clone, transferring his memories from one body to another when anti-cloners assassinate the executive. He has also provided clones to various strategic and political partners to help him expand his wealth and power. So where the hell does Arnold Schwarzenegger fit into all of this? <laughs> <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger is Adam Gibson, a man having trouble dealing with turning 50. He and his business partner, Hank Morgan, played by Michael Rappaport, run a charter helicopter company. They were chartered by Drucker for a flight, and on the flight, Drucker is killed, as is the pilot, who was Hank. But a mix-up occurs. Drucker is, of course, put into a new clone body, but they also clone Adam, not Hank. So when Adam goes home that night... He sees a clone of himself already there, playing with his daughter and making love to his wife. Not at the same time. <laughs> I certainly hope not. <laughs> but Adam has to go on the run. A group of killers working for Drucker need to kill one of the Adams, lest their illegal cloning operation be made public. This group is led by Robert Marshall, played by Michael Rooker. There are lots of chases and laser gun fights. Drucker also finally clones the correct pilot, Hank, but this new Hank is killed again pretty quickly in the crossfire of a fight between Adam and the Enforcers. 
Finally, the Enforcers kidnap Adam's wife and daughter and hold them hostage to trade for Adam himself. After a time, the Adam we've been following, which is the clone, decides to team up with the real Adam. The two infiltrate the replacement technology skyscraper. One Adam first sets a bomb to destroy the cloning facility, then rescues his family. The other Adam faces off with Drucker and his enforcers, eventually killing them all. The two Adams make their escape without anyone knowing there's a clone of Adam. This clone decides to move to Argentina and open a charter helicopter company as credits roll. <laughs> yeah, what a future. A clone <laughs> franchise. So I have seen this before. I had watched this uh, a few years ago when I was going back and watching the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that I missed, and I completely forgot about this entire movie. I had wrote a review on Letterboxd, which I do quote that it's like Liar Liar uh, for Jim Carrey and Yes Man, the whole thing. I have it all right there. It's like watching a brand new movie. And you would think, because it's so similar to Total Recall and other movies, that I would have remembered. I remembered nothing of this movie. So it's like watching a brand new movie all over again. That must be nice. This movie really stuck with me. I have had this movie in my soul for 22 years now. Okay. Because of what? What aspect of it that made you keep it with you? This movie and its representation of cloning and everything just got under my craw and disturbed me <laughs> in a way that I have never been able to put aside. And as we go through this movie, I will explain it. But I came back to this movie and I remembered especially the climax very clearly of the two Druckers, one of whom looked like the melting man from RoboCop and the how many times those enforcers kept getting cloned and repet. All of this cloning stuff has greatly influenced my view of cloning far more than, say, George Lucas's episode two. Okay. Big statements. Big statements I'm hearing here. Okay. As we get started, yeah, we've already mentioned the Genesis quote and Human Genome Project. It should be said, the same year that this movie came out, they were reaching the completion of that. It did not produce what we thought. I mean, again, hence why we do not have clones of people running around. We learned from that project that it ain't so easy to just duplicate genetics and DNA. So, yes, at this time, we naively believed we were right on the precipice of having a world in which anyone and anything can be replicated in two hours. And so thus, the Supreme Court would pass six-day laws that said man cannot play God, and this story is taking place, what do we think, 2020? I'm thinking 2020, yeah, that feels about right. Yeah, something like that. They mm -hmm. say in the near future sooner than you think, but, I mean, that's ambiguous. And I would guess that if 20 years in the future, 25 years in the future is a safe bet for where they're starting off, for sure. Where they start off is a little confusing to me, though. Rewatching this movie, you start off with some good, was it Thursday night football going on here? The XFL? Yeah, this is the XFL, which hadn't aired yet, but Vince McMahon was trying to do... For the NFL, what he had done with, with wrestling. With wrestling, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it failed spectacularly the following year. One season. Yeah. The following year, like 2001. So if you want to talk about predicting the future, Arnie, there you go. But he actually relaunched it, and the pandemic got in the way in 2020. So I think they're playing their first season, like, now or next year. I can't remember which. But it's relaunched. I think The Rock bought it from Vince McMahon. It's going to be theirs, folks. So this could be very well, Arnie. Another thing for the future that they got right was the XFL. Mm. Okay, so don't throw tomatoes <laughs> at this the way that I wanted to. 
It's they all do it. I mean, even Blade Runner, which is such a gorgeous vision of 2020, has giant neon signs of Pan Am Airlines. It's like no, you know, they always get <laughs> something wrong. Right, exactly. And and also he has Iron Man kind of a screen on his helmet. Heads up display, yeah. Yeah, you know. I thought Terminator. That's not too far off either. I mean, I've got one of those on my car now. It's not that long before you get it in a helmet. It seems a little bit unfair that, I mean, I don't know, cheating, whatever. I don't even like football, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like if players can actually measure this, suddenly you're you're required to know like math. Like, <laughs> it's a weird way of thinking about this sport. But why are we thinking about the sport? Why are we thinking about football? Why is this scene in the movie at all? I understand. Okay, we're wanting to set up bad guys, and we're wanting to set up that there's secret cloning. However, doing it through this football player feels really unnecessary, and I have to laugh because my thought would be, what happens is he breaks his neck on the field, he's pretty much going to die, or at least be disabled forever. They decide to kill the body so that they can bring him back as a clone, but then not to stay for their team. They're going to just like trade him off to LA. Like the clone isn't going to be as good as the one they're killing. That was a joke. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, no, no. They're keeping him on the team. When we see Arnold in the next scene, he's getting updates in his mirror and they're saying he's returning to the field the next week. That's the tease. We just saw a football player be murdered, essentially. Get paralyzed, get murdered, and one week later, he's coming back and nobody is the wiser. But the reason it is because he's an investment, because he's the future, he's the face of the franchise, something like that. It's a disconnect as to why this particular person is so important to get cloned. And that's my big issue with who they're cloning in this movie overall with the cloning. They seem to clone everybody, regardless of who they are, and it's isn't it easier to cover up a murder than it would be to then clone somebody and reinsert them, blah, blah, blah. The reasons they clone people here seems to be very ambiguous. Yes, I agree. However, assuming this guy is the Michael Jordan of the XFL, it is very hard to come up with a reason to not clone Michael Jordan and keep him in the NBA. All I would say is you're presuming that genetics are the thing that define Michael Jordan. And that's in and of itself seems naive, as if hard work and the experiences he went through didn't also contribute to his superstar success but yes that is the mentality is we can make everyone that's cool at some point they mentioned bringing back martin luther king no they're saying they could have saved martin luther king they'll save the next martin luther king yeah this is what i mean like yeah so the super cool people defined by pop culture will be preserved and then controlled because yeah it will all be done by this evil corporation but you talk about the cloning this is something we can just discuss now is what they're cloning is not taking your DNA and just making a new human, which theoretically would mean you're a new baby. They are going to take your DNA and be able to reproduce you, including, you know, if you're Arnold and you've lifted weights for 30 years, 40 years, you're going to keep that muscle mass in the clone body. You're going to also have your memories transferred. This is the bigger sci-fi element than actually the cloning, is that right. they can zap right. your eyes and capture a backup of your brain and then do a restore of that brain with all of your skills, all of your knowledge, all of your history into this new cloned body. 
Right. I mean, why stop into that body? You could be like, we could have so many great buddy cop movies of like, put Arnold in a dog, put Arnold in a, you know, <laughs> giraffe. Put Arnold in a Getty, and you've got stop when my mom will shoot too. <laughs> you can do anything at this point. You can be whatever you want to be. Your identity is limitless because they can take your memories and stick it into things. And you're right. That is a much different concept than the ethics of do we have the right to play God and make human life on our own. The whole body image musculature aspect is something that I just gave the movie, much like if you watch Face Off, which you guys have for the show, you, you have to give that they transfer the face and all of a sudden their bodies are different too. But it, it's just because it's the conceit of the movie. I don't. And I didn't. You have to give the premise, yes. Yeah, I will give them this. You don't have to, but it helps if you're going to sit through it. If you don't give a movie its premise, don't bother watching that movie. Exactly. You got to see how they play with the sandbox they create. And so in this situation, the only issue I have is with the entire process is why did they make a backup? in the first place of these two helicopter drivers as a just-in-case? As a, you know, you never can tell, we might as well do this, or just because there's no reason these two guys need to be of a backup of their brains so they can reclone them for any reason at all. The, the fact that Tony Goldwyn's company demanded they do it, I can understand Johnny Phoenix, the football player. I don't understand why they would possibly need to have a backup of these two helicopter pilots. In order to explore that question, I agree. It was a head-scratcher when they get there. Right. We have to go through what they tell us about Adam Gibson. And, of course, the name is unsubtle. Adam, the first man. Does this movie say it, or did I just hear it in my mind? He is the first-person clone. We heard something about the Supreme Court killing the very first human being. It's him. No, that wasn't him. No. It's not him? No. I'm going to bet a million dollars I don't have that it's some draft of this script, because that comes up too often when people are talking about this cloning thing, that at one point Arnold was Adam the first clone man, and hence why he is a clone in the big scene where they pull down his lower eyelid. No, but that's because we've been following the clone that was made here, and, you know, the switcheroo is, you're supposed to think you're following human Adam, and clone Adam is not involved in the action, and you've been following the clone the whole time. I thought they were both clones at that point. No, no. there's still one human Adam. Okay, very confused by that. I don't know why that would be. What do you mean? We'll get there. I, we're really jumping to the end of this movie. Okay. Just hold that thought. I'm just here to say I thought what they were telling us because they spend so much time talking about, you know, they killed that first one. They demanded it and all of that. And yet we never see a visual of it. I assumed that that was why the switcheroo was able to happen at the end. I got very confused by the need for and the purpose of that switcheroo. Yeah, no, I don't think Adam had anything to do with it. This movie is supposed to be the, it could happen to you. This is a boring guy living a boring life, facing down 50. He has a wife and a child, and suddenly action and adventure is going to come upon him much like a childhood fantasy of I go to school one day and oh, suddenly somebody shows up and says, you're a wizard. Here, you're going to have an everyman <laughs> thrust into the middle of action. Everyman. 
Yeah, this is always laughable when Arnold is projected to be just an average Joe. I mean, it was funny in Total Recall. We were supposed to think he was so jacked because he had like a jackhammer and held it all day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's how I get to look like that. Okay. Yeah, totally. But yes, here we have him facing his aging in a theme that doesn't fully pay off, I don't think. You have him talking about his wrinkles, and I don't feel different. Do I look different? Obviously, this is supposed to be his 50th birthday, even though he's slightly over that. I gotta say, I would try nacho-flavored bananas. Like, they want to make it seem like this world is gross and that people have taken it too far with, like, the daughter and what she made for breakfast and all of that, but bring on genetically modified foods. I'm curious. Just dip your banana in some Dorito dust and you let me know how that goes for you. I would, easily. I would do that, totally do that. Again, I like it when they have weird flavors and things that shouldn't have those flavors. But again, I think these early scenes are supposed to tell us we're living in a world that is going too far. And this is, yeah, a guy that's old enough at 50. He's old enough to know the world before. And that's why he doesn't like the idea of repet or a recall. Yeah, and he also, they have self-driving cars, which, as Arnie will point out, is a thing that we have now, or they're trying to get that technology to work. Mm-hmm. That takes place of Johnny Cab, of course. I thought it was a throwaway. I thought a lot of this stuff was throwaway, and it would have been nice that more of it would come back later on. Some of it does to help the plot along, but it would have been nice to have more of this stuff actually be consequential versus throwaway gags like you would find in a Shrek movie or Back to the Future Part Two. I just like the world that it's building and the way that everything is familiar yet slightly different, and again, how much is actually accurate. But yes, you talk about repet, there's something that we kind of have. Doesn't Martha Stewart have a cloned pet? I believe she does. Yes. You can clone your pet at this point. That is a thing. What's the issue? Again, I'm trying to understand the ethics here and what the problem is. I get that Boomer Arnold doesn't like the idea of freaks of science for pets, but ironic given what he might have put in his body to look the way he did. But why should we not have cloned pets? What is this movie saying about that? Well, I would have a couple of things my own self to bring up about it, but what he verbalizes is he's afraid it's not perfect. How do you know that this dog isn't suddenly going to become vicious? How do you trust a dog being brought into your house? Now, you could ask that about any pet you choose to rescue. Right. But he wants pets that are made the old-fashioned way and also to help learn about the cycle of life, help teach his daughter about loss. Okay. But if the world is going to invent new people and loss is going to look different in the future, you're actually living in the past. And this bugs me here. This is the start of my cloning issue, is with repets. I love my dog. Stuart, you love your dog, I know. If that dog died and you cloned that dog, it's still not your dog. It's a new dog. It's not that dog. That dog is dead and now you are the one kind of playing make-believe saying that this new doppelganger is actually the same dog if there is a period of death non-existence occurring then you're not really dealing with reincarnation here you're dealing with duplication well i'll throw two things out one they're saying you can take memories and stick it in things so if that's the case if depending on how you define yourself i am the experiences i've had and the thoughts that i create if i am my mind 
then maybe it is your dog if they can make that dog into a pet. I would also say that the human body, what, sheds cells every seven years, and by this point, we have become several different bodies at this point. We are not the bodies that we were born into, so... I don't know. I would think that you would also, if you're going to clone a pet and say your pet isn't perfect, say your pet, you know, is scared of like the dark or his own shadow. Theoretically mm-hmm. speaking, I think they actually mention it. You could actually change that pet to perfect it. So not only clone it, you can then recreate it in a way you want it to be created. And that is a whole different ball of wax. I feel like the issue, the fear, the what I'm going to label as the problem that is remains subtext. We start with the Genesis quote, we know that man was created on the sixth day. It's the presumption that man tried to play God. How dare we ever, ever, ever try to create life? Only one person can do that. It's a religious indignation. That is, seems to be, although this character is not religious, that seems to be the holdup. There is the group of religious people in this movie that he makes fun of. Yeah, that have that exact point of view. Mm -hmm. It would help if he had that exact point of view. Instead, they try to say that that's not his issue, but he just doesn't like it for whatever reason. So you're saying it would have been a stronger choice character-wise and for this movie if he was on the side of the assassin who tries to kill Drucker in that he believes it's fundamentally wrong to have clones and therefore as opposed to just, I don't like the idea of it. Yeah, having him articulate, again, what I'm looking for is a debate, and whoever can articulate the argument is a valuable character. Those that just say, I don't like it, and can't, and wave their hands, I just go, boomer. I'm guessing, Stuart, and I don't know this for a fact, I'm guessing that might have been in a draft of this screenplay, and when Arnold Schwarzenegger got connected, he says, I need so-and-so changed. I need some other reason. It It certainly seems like something that Arnold Schwarzenegger would not want to put his toes into as a, in a debate of... Anything like that. And you don't even have to go necessarily religious. That's the easy way to write it. You could write it more complex and keep religion out of it, such as the objection I have about that's not my dog. You could just have it be that simple. But yeah, here he's a bit of a a Luddite is the way you just have to kind of take it. But that's not an ethical objection. That's just saying it's not a good enough facsimile. It's a recreation as opposed to a continuing of something original. A subtle difference, but in the end, you are not against the idea that people that want to have these animals can have them. No. And I don't think he is either. He doesn't like it for him. He doesn't want it in his house, but he wouldn't go there so easily and so willingly after work if he was (laughs) so staunchly against it. Yeah, let's talk about that because, yeah, he starts the morning saying, no way would I want to repet. The dog just dies off screen. I have no idea why. And I thought that was going to be some kind of conspiracy. Yeah, I thought so too. Somebody did that. Like somebody was killing his dog. (laughs) Yes. Well, guys, you know what I think it was? He ate that nacho flavored banana. That's what happened. That's what it could have been, totally. Yeah, that was it. That GMO stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I thought for sure that that dog's death comes so out of nowhere, I thought it was going to be plot-driven, and it is not. Totally. Plus, Total Recall was all filled with people that looked like they were in his life, but were actually people that were in a conspiracy to get him. I just presumed, since it was feeling so Total Recall, a free pet recall, it just, yeah, this had to be a trick 
to get him in there. It's not. The dog just died. But when he gets there, he leaves work. We actually follow Michael Rappaport, one of my favorite character actors in so much good stuff. I always think of him in true romance, but I think probably the biggest role we've covered him in is Deep Blue Sea. And just a fun actor, a great foil for Arnold here. I like their chemistry as these two business partners and setting up Chekhov's remote control helicopter. But they're going to do a switcheroo because Arnold has to go get the repet. It's going to be Michael Rappaport who's going to fly the executive's helicopter. No, let's slow that shit down. You have the most important client you've ever had in your life. Bill Gates is going to get in your chopper. But hey, I just thought that maybe I will get a repet, even though I was staunchly against it this morning. Why don't you, because you look so much like me, and they have all our DNA and all of that, and yet what kills me about this movie is they could like take your blood and scan your eyes, but nobody could actually tell the difference between Michael <laughs> Rappaport and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> That's because they never asked the name, but can you imagine how fucked up it was when they cloned that body and expected it to become Michael Rappaport? <laughs> Yeah. And it started, like, hulking out its muscles in yeah. the tube and everything. And they're like, who the fuck did we clone? Yeah, and that this happens throughout the movie. He's going to walk around with a woman's thumb, and, like, security guards are just going to think that he's a curvaceous five-foot-six woman instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's just so dumb. Oh, that I go with. I mean, it's the same as yeah. scanning a badge. They didn't show a photo of the person it was, so... They do show a photo. That's actually what pops up on the screen, and the security guard is just like, sure, whatever. But my point is valid. If this is a world where genetics and all of that is futuristic and the way things work, this switcheroo should not have been allowed to happen. Nor does it make sense that Adam would not want to be there. Nor does it make sense that they actually have a blood test. A non-disclosure agreement, that makes complete sense. The eye scan and the blood scan, that doesn't make any sense at all. Well, the way they sell it works. It's an eye test to make sure you're going to be able to see as a pilot. And it's a they were testing for alcohol and drugs. I mean, that seems reasonable enough. Reasonable enough for a person who comes into my business demands that I take those tests? I don't think so. If I'm applying for a job, no, if I'm applying for a job. No, if you are in a service industry and you are about to get a big contract and part of the contract says we need to make sure you're not a drunk. Uh-huh. All right, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. The NDAs and things people sign to work around celebrities is real. And so I didn't I didn't have a problem with that. It just made me wonder why he would blow all of that to go look at a repet right now when he didn't even want those things in his house. Let me throw this out there. Brock, I look to you. What would be more important to you on a given day? Taking care of Bill Gates in a work capacity or making sure your daughter's heart doesn't get broken? You frame it in that, those terms, but in fact, later we're going to realize the daughter figured it out all on her own. So that's not on the table, heartbroken or not. What you're talking about is deceiving the child, getting the goldfish lookalike. Well, that's what the mother wants to do. That's the difference. What you're saying, Arnie, is that the wife called him and said, you got to go do that. So the real question would be, would you ignore what your wife asks you to do and, and worry about that aspect of going <laughs> home and saying no, honey, and having that argument? Or do you just go check out the repet anyway? Because that's what your wife pretty much says you're doing that. And that's what he was doing. It wasn't about more about not breaking his daughter's heart. It was that 
your wife demanded that you do it, you're going to go do that. And two more things on that. One, it's his birthday. I ain't doing shit. And two, <laughs> like, yeah, she would know his position on this. If she really wanted this to happen, she'd just go do it herself and switch it around. Which is, again, all of this confusion made me think, oh, this is a badly inserted conspiracy. I was convinced that all of this was a sham. There was no dead dog. All of this was to get him into repet so that they could do something to him. I couldn't figure that out what, but I was sure that the cloning people had their designs on this guy. Okay, so your problem is the repet. My problem is they did this. They stored their memories as a backup just in case they needed them. Which is ridiculous, too. Which is ridiculous, too. So both of us have problems with these same scenes for two different reasons for the plot to move along. This is really, that's crazy. But when he leaves work and leaves Michael Rappaport, we follow Michael Rappaport. We get this guy, Trip, who the camera has lingered way too long on in two many shots for him not to be coming back in some nefarious way and he's going to shoot and kill Michael Rappaport and we're going to then get this weird camera transition that's going to involve what looks like cartoon amoebas and the next thing we know Arnold Schwarzenegger is in the back of the cab waking up were you guys ever fooled that this was not cloned Arnold because if he's asleep in the back of a truck and we just saw those amoebas this is obviously the clone we are now following right well also they had the slow motion thing they did that earlier with Johnny Phoenix and before Drucker gets shot they have that slow motion choppy editing thing going on to indicate that is the clone we figure that out as the movie goes on that's an indicator that this is a clone I found it just to be really overly stylized direction and editing that drives me crazy when they do that. But clearly they've made that choice to indicate to us that this is a clone. Clearly I did not understand this movie because I'm going to again say that I thought the ending was telling me that this guy, that they were both clones, but that one of them was the original six-day clone, the very first one ever made. I thought that that's what they were trying to tell us, and hence why they, <laughs> they had him to clone. You're watching a whole different movie. I say this with no disrespect, Stuart, but knowing it took you like two days to watch Face Off and things, is it possible you dozed during this movie and had a dream about the movie that then inserted an entire subplot? Because there is nothing here that indicates Adam is a clone. No, no. Well, you just said he is a clone. So there is every indication. No, 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 no. The real Adam. Real Adam. Because they insist on saying, oh, you're the, you're not the clone, I was trying to figure out where that deception came in. I, it was not clear to me. And because everyone had been talking about this first clone, that's what I went to. That's where my brain made that connection. Wow. I think they're trying to fool us into thinking this is real Arnold and that it's fake Arnold who's with the family, but... Given that it's cloning and not like an evil nefarious lookalike or something <laughs> like that, I don't know whether we were following the tale of not clone Adam or clone Adam. Does that change this movie at all? Does it really change the tenor of the film? And most importantly, since this is an action film, are you going to find the action less thumping if it's a clone character and you know it? Well, I would posit, and I got some pushback on this, Total Recall could all be the imaginings of a man lobotomized in a chair. And that none of the fun that we have with him running to Mars is real. 
It has that Philip K. Dick twist. Yeah, that's a reading. That's a realistic reading that you can draw that conclusion from the movie you watched. You're helping this movie theoretically be a better movie by writing something that's not there. No, no, we're not talking about that. Arnie's no, just saying, no. does it make you against this character that we're rooting for a clone so much? And I would say, in Total Recall, we rooted for a delusion, possibly. So it doesn't bother me, is what I'm saying. Doesn't bother me at all. No, not me either, but they're going to play this game with us the whole time that this is the real Adam and the other one is the fake Adam. And so our protagonist just came into existence a few seconds before the scene where he wakes up outside Repet. All right, so now that I'm understanding this, how did he get in a taxi going to the mall? They cloned the wrong body. Yeah, and then it just got out and got a taxi? Didn't realize it. And sent him to the mall. That was how they got rid of it? That's how, like, they released it into the wild. Right. They didn't realize this is the wrong guy. They're looking at Michael Rappaport laying on a table and Arnold Schwarzenegger in the tube. And they go, close enough and let him go impersonate Michael Rappaport? I think it's Robert Duvall doing this stuff. And he's just replaying the memory what's the last memory we got before we recorded they're talking about repet right before the flash of the eyes where the memory is backed up and so they're like okay he was going to go to repet let's send this clone on to repet so he could just continue his life at like there's never been an interruption but my point is they have created a clone that looks like arnold schwarzenegger while the body that has been brought back looks like michael rapaport and nobody made that connection that we shouldn't release something that isn't the dead man we're trying to impersonate i'm guessing they don't deliver all of their corpses at the feet <laughs> Of the doctor doing the geneticist. But this, again, this is what I mean about, like, not checking photo IDs. This is really a bad company. What you're actually talking about is quality control. Yes. <laughs> we have customer service for that. You can wait, you know, dial six and wait. I understand your point. Would have been better, much better, if they had Michael Rappaport's memories inserted into Arnold's body. Then we have a switcheroo comedy. That would a much better way to go. Yeah, suddenly I'm imagining them going to summer camp or something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the freaky sixth day. So the clone is the one that picks up Sim Pal Cindy. And we have all of this comedy, I guess. Johnny Cab. It kind of reminded me of Cricket. You remember the talking yes. doll from the 80s? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. They also played her a lot for comedy to the point where it got taxing. When her head rolled off and things like that. I got a boo-boo. Hope you enjoy the ride. I mean, the beats from Total Recall are just kind of embarrassing, really. It played stale. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, we, he's walked through the process by going to Repet and then decided he would prefer just having a creepy-ass doll that sort of looks human. That That's better than tell the daughter the dog's dead and let her play with this doll. And then he gets home and there's the dog anyway. Because the real guy did get the repet and was there probably within minutes of the clone being there, I would think. Yeah, it couldn't have been that much longer. I mean, I got to think if we're going to nitpick, I got to think it takes more than five minutes to clone a dog that you got to, <laughs> you know, insert the genetic material and flash the memory. But apparently he got home in time to celebrate his birthday party before the clone did. The clone's outside and... 
Yeah, we get that weird slow-mo, like, stuttery film of, oh my god, I can't believe what's going on. Like, I guess that's supposed to be, like, what it feels like when you feel the earth falling out from under your feet or something. They're trying to represent it visually. A lot of the transitions in this movie did not work. It's trying to be too clever by half with some of these tricks Mm -hmm. and not good enough at doing them. I thought that slow-mo's thing, again, was to indicate that it was a clone. Maybe. Every time they did it with a clone, they did it with Johnny Phoenix, they did it here, they did it before Drucker gets shot. Mm-hmm. And it indicates that the person that we're seeing the point of view of is a clone. So what you're talking about, Arnie, is what I mentioned earlier, that that's the giveaway that the Arnold Schwarzenegger that we're following now is a clone versus the real one, even though the movie still plays the rest of it until the end that we've been following the real one instead of a clone. Yeah, probably. I may be mistaken, but when Clone Arnold reveals himself to real Arnold and says, we need to team up, doesn't real Arnold also have that exact same slow-mo effect? You have to watch the movie twice and see, and guess what? Spoiler alert. I'm not going to. (laughs) I'm not doing that either. So we got our first big action scene here as Terry Crews and Michael Rooker and two other people that are there. Terry Crews' first movie ever. I was so excited to see him. I am such a fan of Terry Crews in so many things. Who's Terry Crews? I have to be the one. He's the big guy. No, I know that. Like, what's he ever done? Who's a football player, and he was in The Expendables. Everybody hates Chris. He's a Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's been working for years. Yeah, he's ex-NFL. And he retired from the NFL to go into acting in the year 2000, started off here. Yeah, he's done some very memorable sitcom roles on TV. He is beloved for roles in films like Idiocracy. And while it's not a very good film, Terry Crews is very good in it. White Chicks. Oh, my God. Wow. You're explaining why I have no idea who he is. Okay, thank you. And he even starred kind of with Arnold again. We reviewed him in Terminator Salvation. But this guy is just been in so many movies and usually as a more kind-hearted, ironic, oh my God, he's so big, but yet he's funny or he's going to sing ballads or something like that kind of thing. Here is one of the few times I've seen him looking tough and just actually playing tough but this is not tough i think this is a turning point up to this point maybe you're into this futuristic near future stuff or not i think it looks a little dingy and cheap but you know it's got some of the appeal of total recall but when we see this action it's pretty clear that paul vorhoven is not here well yeah and it's not fun to watch this action laser guns out of the blue it just makes no sense either it's the near future i mean what is your hang up with laser guns an eraser i don't like it either i don't laser guns is everything else that's going on arnie we can agree on self-driving cars refrigerators that order your milk for you again you've brought that up that is something it is currently here or it's very close to being a reality for everyday life laser guns will never happen you know what this is like reminds me of the, the, the stupid henchmen in like Inspector Gadget or some Batman 66. The henchmen are just so idiotically stupid and they talk dumb and they don't think before they act. Wouldn't it be nice to have smart villains? And we have like Michael Ironside was busy. They got Michael Rooker and he's the smartest one of the bunch. But the rest of them are idiots. 
And it's kind of hard to care, especially when they keep coming back because they keep getting cloned. There's no consequences to this. It's silly. All right, I'm going to go another way. This is where I actually start getting more into the movie because it's silly. It is slapstick. These guys are like the four stooges. Yeah. They're going to keep shooting each other and breaking each other's necks and then just cloning and coming right back. This, to me, is low-key funny. It should be. I'm going to tweak something you're saying. It should be really funny. It should be Sam Raimi, disposable people. Death becomes her, if you remember that movie. Like ripping yeah. off heads and seeing the body. In a world where we can clone, suddenly the body, amputation, anything we could do to ourselves becomes a flesh wound. And so that's something fun to play with that this movie doesn't. When we have the scenes of the legs blown off and, and again, with the finger and all of that, I find that not funny. I find that stupid. I found that to be somewhat amusing. I kind of just liked the matter-of-fact way that they all were going about getting cloned. There was the one guy who's like, it feels like I'm being choked because his neck had just broken and he still kind of feels it psychologically. But again, this is where some of the disconnect comes with me and this movie is we now have two Adams running around. You have an Adam and a clone of Adam running around. Obviously, you have two people occupying space these people who die and then come back are just like perfectly fine with dying endless times and basically like using a cheat code in a game we're just gonna have endless respawns it's like i suppose this does not in a religious way but it does really bother me and this is why this movie is stuck with me and i chew over this movie for 22 years is what about the soul? Is there not a soul? Did Michael Rooker's character's soul die with the first clone? Is these soulless people running around getting hacked apart? It really eats at me. Now, it's interesting. I never thought of you as religious, but yes, the soul is a religious concept. No soul has ever been under a microscope. There is no evidence of a soul. But yet there's something more than the sum of the parts, I believe. You know, you can cut off my arms, my legs, I'm still me. At what point am I no longer me? But you can't scientifically prove that. That's the thing. You can believe that. You can believe a lot of things, but that is not a scientific fact. So my issue with these idiots is that I guess that it's better to have a clone of these guys instead of having to find new people and train them and make them think your way. So I guess that's why you clone your henchmen over and over again. My issue here is how dumb they are. I really wish that they were smarter villains that uh, weren't so easy to outsmart or kill so easily. And it really takes away some of the fun. I understand what Arnie's saying about, I did enjoy the, the woman when she was complaining, oh, I have to dye my hair again or things like that. But of course, the next scene when the young kid got cloned, his hair was exactly the same as it was. He didn't have to re-dye it and he didn't <laughs> talk about it, whatever. But that kind of aspect, yes, that was a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But that isn't the movie that I was starting to watch. So this kind of stuff is a disconnect with the good ideas and the stuff that I was enjoying about it. They're taking the cloning and making more of a farcical aspect of it. It's not multiplicity. I know, and I was thinking multiplicity many times during this movie. Multiplicity, strong recommend, by the way, Harold Ramis, underrated, but I was definitely thinking multiplicity when we see the two Adams working together. <laughs> You guys are going to other movies. I keep going back to Total Recall. The farcical elements are the same as two weeks and the fat lady ripping her head off. And all. I mean, to me, it's a, a poor attempt to emulate what was so easily fun 
in the 1990 movie and that now does feel labored and weirdly inserted. You're right. This movie has been kind of grim and not funny. And then all of a sudden we're supposed to be laughing. Right. But the henchmen, the bad guys in Total Recall aren't idiots. Michael Ironstar's not an idiot. Mm. He's not an idiot. I think they're farcical. I think they are played for laughs at certain moments. Ironside, not so much, but some of the others who come along, absolutely. And they have fun with Ironside because his wife is Sharon Stone, who's been sleeping with Arnold, and that's part of his grudge. I mean, again, I see comedy throughout that movie because Paul Vorhoven, that's the way he works. And here, I felt like you're right. I was in a straightforward cloning ethics debate movie, and all of a sudden, it does feel like multiplicity, and that feels wrong. But you can also then take the premise and then have a cool Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie, but not a kindergarten cop with these kind of jokes also. So they're also having a problem with trying to figure out what kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger movie they're going to have, because different times, they have the insane comedy stuff, and they're trying to have good action scenes, and they're failing on both those fronts. I couldn't decide if it was trying to be Jingle All the Way or Commando when Arnold has lines like, Why doesn't anybody stay dead? Is that supposed to be a badass one-liner? Or is that supposed to be Arnold being funny? In the past, my feeling is even when Arnold was trying to be serious, it was funny because of his limitations as a thespian. And now... It just feels sad. It just feels like, oh, Arnold hasn't learned anything about acting in the 15 years. And if we had a different lead here, maybe I'd be feeling differently. But seeing Arnold try to be the action hero in this dingy, dimly lit, ugly near future, I know that I could have easily hit stop and not finish this movie. It's just not entertaining. There's one line, Arnie, he has that's a good Arnold line, is small thumbs today when he's with the woman's thumb. Mm -hmm. That was like a cool, fun but it wasn't like a punchline after he killed somebody. It was more of a good throwaway James Bond kind of joke line. And I thought he delivered that well. But this movie could have used more of those instead of these moronic henchmen and their getting used to the new clone body's humor, which I did not enjoy. I'm not minding this movie at this point. I'm understanding this is trying to be Total Recall and it's not pulling that off fully. But the humor going on here is such... And I think the performances are fine enough that I can go with this as an Arnold action film. I'm, I enjoy the car chase throughout downtown. You say it's dingy. I say it's acceptable action. I'm having a decent time. I'm not like on the edge of my seat going, ah, but you know, I'm <laughs> sitting back and I'm kind of enjoying myself taking this movie for what it is, which is, in firmly in B-movie territory, which Total Recall is as well. But you're not trying to imply that they're on the same level. No, this is... No. This is a pale clone of Total Recall. There you mm-hmm. go. But that doesn't mean that the clone can't do the job. No, it doesn't mean that it can't, but this clone is not doing the job. And I was saying it was. That's what I just said. I get that. And I'm just reinforcing how pitiful this action is, how nonsensical all this running around is. In what way? I mean... In what way? I don't enjoy it. It's not fun to look at. It's not funny. It's not exciting. There are no ethics to this cloning debate. It is flat. You don't find any of the humor of these goons, the enforcers, funny at all? No. I think I enjoyed aspects of it, but I do think it's making me 
question the movie at this point because up to this point I'm really enjoying the ideas, the concepts, and I'm willing to give them a couple of mulligans to go along and get this thing moving. But I don't like these guys. I wish these guys were smarter because the rest of the movie is full of smart people making bad choices, right? Or choices that we're led to believe are bad choices based on the protagonist. And I would like to see more of that movie and less of the comedy stylings hilarity ensues of these four idiots. That's all I'm trying to say about this, because I like this movie more than it probably deserves for me to like it based on all these little aspects, all these little nitpicks. But there's conceptually speaking, there's so much good ideas here that they're not spending enough time on. In place, they're giving us synth doll jokes and these idiot Keystone Cop moronic henchmen. And they're repeat jokes, because again, large swaths of this is, well, what were they doing in Total Recall at this time? Oh, he's in Johnny Cab. Well, then we'll give him Sim Pal Cindy. But a lot of this humor, I think that what may be irking you, Brock, is the ratio is off. Because Michael Rappaport also brings humor into this. When we see he's back, we go to his apartment, and he's got the sexy hologram and all of this. And he is usually the comedic sidekick, and having a comedic sidekick in an otherwise straight action film usually works well, but in this case, they're expanding the comedy out so much further than Michael Rappaport. You've got this whole team that basically takes the place of Michael Rappaport in bringing the humor, so now you've got a four-person squad of walking jokes instead of just one guy cracking jokes. I didn't look at Michael Rappaport as being humor. I kept looking at him as he's in on the conspiracy. Me too. We're going to have a switcheroo where he's going to turn on Arnold, and I'm waiting for that moment, and it doesn't matter how many times his virtual girlfriend rubs her tits in his face. I'm waiting for that moment and confused that it never comes. I agree completely. Again, to total recall, there's no way that you can't think that he is in on the whole thing, and when it turns out he was also a clone and blah, 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 that's just a disappointment. I was hoping that he was in on it too, but I also agree with Arnie that I liked his presence, his character, his humor, his way that is fine with me because also they establish him earlier in the movie as a friend of Arnold's and someone we should care about and when we do spend time with him it's worthwhile spending time with him especially because of what Stuart just said I was waiting for a twist that never came I wondered if that would happen I couldn't remember certain plot details in that regard but yeah I think Michael Rappaport is funny when they're sneaking around Arnold's house outside And I feel like Rappaport's just riffing, like, look, he does carpentry as bad as you do. And then watching the two of them screw in the van, I just, I liked Rappaport in this movie. And when he gets taken out the second time, I I do miss him in the rest of the film. Yeah, we have Trip the Snowboarder come back to kill him. Why? Because he just hates clones? Well, he's the religious aspect guy, right? He's the uh, Knights of the Cruciform Sword in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He's the guy who doesn't like clones, don't think they should exist, so when he has a bead on who a clone is, they have to take them out. Yeah, I mean, I understand taking out the people that's making the clones, going around and killing all the clones. Well, clones shouldn't exist in their minds, so therefore take them out. It's it's terribly racist, if in a way. There's your ethical debate, though. That's what they're trying to say, is that they put down the first clone, and using those terms, that that means... Clones are animals. Later on, you have Drucker saying that in this world, clones aren't even considered human. 
And so putting down cloned people is like stopping an abomination from existing if you're in that group. There's your ethical debate. Is he wrong to go around and be killing clones? Two things. I just want to clarify here. Drucker doesn't want clones to have power because he has power over the clones. By cloning everyone important, he essentially becomes the person that controls the world. So that's his issue. These anti-cloning people are religious. And yes, I think it's offensive to them to think that there are things walking around without souls. Yeah. And that's why they killed Michael Rappaport here. Yeah. I get it. I just think that that's a stupid policy. Like, you already assassinated the, the head of the guy that's cloning everything. I don't know why you need to go around and, and whack this. Like, in fact, it might be helpful to expose him as a clone when this all comes out. But whatever. It's not like this is a real movie you need to consider the plot of. It is. I definitely think it is. Yes. Well, it is. Oh, come on. No, I refuse to let this movie be dismissed in that way. This movie has more going for it than Eraser. A lot more. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Low-hanging fruit. You could wash your hands on the plot of Eraser, but this one, it asks questions that I feel, yes, aren't answered extraordinarily well. Like, how did Trip get off that mountain after killing the CEO? Does he even know the CEO is back up and walking around and his assassination did nothing? You know, there are logistical questions this film isn't going to take the time to answer, and that's fine, but that doesn't mean the script is not worthy of consideration. No, no, the concepts are worthy of a good movie. The script is shit. Oh, no, there's much worse scripts out there. Much worse scripts. Much, much worse scripts. I'm not saying this is the worst script. I'm saying that you have not captured the debate, the ethical debate you were looking for in this storyline. This script is not shit, though. It is not shit-level script. Is it great? No, it's not Prime A beef either, but it's somewhere in between Prime A beef and shit, and it's definitely higher than shit. Let's put it this way. like, There's famous movies out there that you could tell were compromised from their original concepts because these stars or something got involved and demanded rewrites for their characters, blah, blah, blah. I am convinced this screenplay had that issue. Someone or something, or they had budgetary issues, something had to be compromised, or Arnold Schwarzenegger did not want to get into these kinds of debates. He wanted more of a popcorn movie with this cool idea, and something happened there that compromised what the script was originally into what we have here, because so many ideas are there laid out, and so many ideas are put forth that could have made a enjoyable and thought-provoking action fun movie. You could have your cake and eat it too here, and it just keeps missing the marks. It could be budget, but I think it's more to do with script interference. Uh, the Devil's Own, the Harrison Ford, Brad Pitt movie comes to mind as a movie you know there was a good movie when they first had it going, and there's someone was rewriting on the set as they were going along kind of problems. I agree that this feels like a script that was compromised. Yes. What would you save from this draft? What would you say, we gotta keep this? I'm standing alone on this podcast, but I say you keep some of the humor, perhaps even amp it up a little bit more, of the four goons. I didn't say having humor was a bad thing. I'm just saying it's not funny. These actors aren't funny. This isn't funny. But I'm not saying it shouldn't be funny. I would like the intelligence level to be turned to where it was. Yeah. I would think that the movie started off at an intelligence level that was higher 
than where we are right now with these shenanigans. And then later on, they try to go back and try to go back and it just doesn't quite get there because the shenanigans keep occurring. And that's one of the things I like is the shenanigans are fun. I like that this movie keeps on moving. It keeps booking, except when we do get to a subplot that if it wasn't Robert Duvall, you probably could have cut this, right? I mean, you really don't need to know who the doctor is performing this, but we do have the subplot of Robert Duvall as Dr. Weir, who did cloning because his wife had liver cancer and wanted to be able to keep her alive. Again, this show's cloning it's not for the dying, it's for the living, right? It's not, the person who's dead is still dead, but it's going to make those who keep on living feel better that they've got this golem walking around. Back to intelligence, we have a very bright man here who has reasons for what he is doing, and for some reason tells a complete stranger everything, like as if he's a Bond villain before he kills James Bond. I don't understand his monologuing in this movie. Now, Robert Duvall a storied, wonderful, incredible actor, this same year, I believe, did Gone in 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage. So his choices around this time are suspect. We were talking earlier about how Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to reinvent himself for a new generation. Around this time, the brilliant person who was doing this, a little before this actually, was Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman was a star in the 70s, and he found a way to stay relevant in the 90s by pairing up with the hot actor at the time, one after another, all through the 90s, and taking the second or third lead. Most of the time, the second build actor in a slew of movies that were very successful in the 90s. And Robert Duvall had to have seen that and signed up, because he did Days of Thunder 10 years ago before that. But in between, he was still doing some pretty good work. And to have two of these kinds of movies at this time, again, I'm thinking he had to have an agent in his ear saying, look at Gene Hackman, look what he's doing. Because why is Robert Duvall here? I don't know. His performance is fine. His scenes with his wife are great. Mm-hmm. Reminds me, what was the movie where the, the vice president was in on the conspiracy because his daughter was missing a leg or something? It, that reminded me of that movie. I can't remember the movie it is. It's not Iron Man 3, is it? It's Iron Man 3. It's it's reminding me of that. He's on the conspiracy because his daughter needs the extremists. That was what it was. Yes. I think what it is, is this movie wants us to agree with Adam that for whatever reason, cloning is unethical. And what better argument can we make than the man that's conducting the experiments, realizing when he does it with his own loved one, that it's not her or I, again it's such a hollow demonstration of it i get what they're trying to do here that he like stands on this soapbox and says i'm never cloning again because that clone said she has cystic fibrosis and i mean again they're just empty arguments straw man arguments like if only this movie could really debate what it was talking about you might be somewhere wait a minute i think he put his foot down because Drucker is compromising his work because he is so scared of being cut out of the equation that he's compromising his work by giving people kind of like in Jurassic Park where you have uh, you need that one lysome or whatever to stay alive. They have to feed them that one enzyme or the dinosaurs will die, which they took out of the dinosaurs later on in Jurassic World and things. So that is why he's putting a stop to cloning, Stuart, not because of his wife. No, no, no. I'm just talking about the argument this movie is making, which is that we should hate this, and the guy that's doing this has realized the error of his ways. But you're right, for a hokey non-reason. 
Again, if it had actually been to realize that cloning was unethical, that'd be one thing. But no, it turns out that Drucker somehow, even though this is the guy that does the technology, slipped in there that you're going to get a debilitating disease and only last five years like a replicant. Yeah, this is just a bad <laughs> script. I'm sorry, guys. These are ideas that do not come together. I actually think that it comes together fine. They talk about how you can change the hair color or change the characteristics of a clone and that is setting up that this could happen in a nefarious way later on. It's not screamingly bad that we have a bad guy doing this. We should be against clones because CEOs are going to make our wives die. That's not the debate. That's not why we should be against clones if we're against clones. This movie has false arguments. I don't know that this movie is actually trying to debate whether cloning is good or bad here. I think this movie is trying to adrenalize you. Which is why it's a bad movie. No, this movie's trying to adrenalize you and entertain you. It's not trying to bring the big debates to the table. And so if you're not entertained, that's fine. It's not like it swings and misses. It doesn't even go at bat for these big debates. I don't know how you can say that. The movie literally opens with a quote from Genesis and talks about the Supreme Court ruling down on no clones. This movie is about whether it is ethical. There are people in the streets with signs protesting these labs saying this cannot be. Arnold Schwarzenegger is not getting a pet because it is not right to clone them. This movie is about that debate, but it won't argue it. Okay, wait a second. Now, I think that stuff at the beginning of the movie is to base it in a reality. I think they're going out of their way to try to base this in this could be happening right now underneath your nose in an entertaining way versus bringing up deep philosophical debates in an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. However... I do think that this script could find a middle ground somewhere to make it less dumb in certain aspects. Now, for example, Arnie mentioned something that I agreed with him with. That they put the sim pets in there that they dropped in there that you could make it a better pet or take away X, Y, Z or improve it here this way or that way. So that totally sets up here that you can alter the clone to your liking or to a detriment, which I thought was clever. Which I don't think is clever is how they laid in, say, a remote control helicopter early in the movie so they can use it in the end. That is hokey bad writing. But what he's talking about is actually good writing in this sense. And again, I think an artifact of a better script in draft five versus the one we are seeing here. And one wonders what the script would be if it weren't shaped to look like an Arnold action movie. If it didn't right. have to be Total Recall, if it could have just been... Colin Farrell? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody, really. I mean, it, it doesn't have to even be an action star. It doesn't need to do that to explore cloning. If Arnold Schwarzenegger was not the lead of this movie, it could have been a completely different movie, but that's the case for everything, right? You know, when we eventually ever review Beverly Hills Cop, we will talk about how that was supposed to be in Sylvester Stallone movie, and it turned into be an Eddie Murphy movie, and therefore you have to tailor the script to Eddie Murphy. And would it have been as a big a hit with Stallone? We wouldn't have seen the same movie. How are we supposed to know that? So clearly, if there was... Even Guy Pierce was in this from Iron Man 3, was in this movie as the lead, it would have been a completely different movie with a different subtext or different text, <laughs> for that matter. Not just different, coherent. It wouldn't be working so hard to try and remind us of what Arnold did 10 years ago, and thus not staying on topic. I kind of feel at this point in the movie, though, where we're 
at where he's on the run, we divert from that. We have created a world which is somewhat total recall-y, but it's not like it's going to continue the beats. It's not like he has to get his ass to Mars. It does. Yeah. No, what he does is they do the exact same thing where they have the fat guys telling him, the sweaty fat guy with the pill and says, you have to take this or you're not going to. That's exactly what that beat is where he pulls down his eyelid and finds out he's a clone. That's exactly the same moment. Oh, but you're talking about one thing happening at the climax, which is a shocking reveal, versus something happening at the end of Act 1 to really kick off the action. You you could say that the two acts have parallels, but if you look at this as a screenplay, they serve vastly different functions. I've looked at it as a screenplay, and I see that it is a carbon copy. It is a clone. It is an inferior clone that won't live to have the lifespan that Total Recall does, but it is very much trying to live the same life. I think it got to a certain point, much like the two atoms. The two atoms were exactly the same until they were burst, and then the moment there were two of them existing, they suddenly became two different people. Once you start getting Adam talking to Robert Duvall and finding out about this, although the one thing that I did think is somewhat stupid is Adam goes through all this trouble to break into the company and find Robert Duvall and ask him all the questions and then use Duvall as a hostage so he can escape. And then later on, the movie's going to be, let's break back into this building I broke into once. We get to play the same scenario for two different action scenes. I thought that was a little bit contrived. Yeah, I mean, it would have been cool that they would have been really clever if they made a clone of Robert Duvall and had him, Arnold Schwarzenegger, kidnap the fake Robert Duvall out of the building, that would have been clever too. But they didn't think of that. They could have used cloning for their advantage. They try to do that big old switcheroo when they go back later on, the second time around. And, you know, they try to keep being clever. Yeah, but nobody's nostalgic for two Robert Duvalls. Supposedly, we want to see twins again, right? Like the idea that there's twins, only this time Arnold is... Danny DeVito as well? Well, no, 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 no. I think this is a classic. Didn't Van Damme have some Dolph Lundgren? It happens that, you know, who the best co-star could be for the action star? Themselves. It is something that Arnold has been um, avoiding for years, and he's finally had a chance to do it here, that he gets to be a co-star with himself. He did it in, of course, Last Action Hero, right? He had that moment with himself. But here, it's probably one of the draws that brought him here, is they can co-star with himself. And what a fun idea. I kind of enjoy the movie when they pair up, starts to get some new life in it for the last act. It's hysterical to me because this would be really done well with a pinpoint in Scott Pilgrim many years later. But early on, we have the Adam we're following and he's like, I'm going to take my life back and he's going to shoot the other Adam. Presumably, if I kill this other person, that I can take that place and this whole thing goes away, right? So that's fine. But... What's more realistic is actually if Adam A won't kill Adam B, then guess what? Adam B isn't going to kill Adam A, so the two Adams can just team up. Much like when Scott Pilgrim is going to fight Nega Scott at the end of Scott Pilgrim, and then they, they like, cut, and then the two are just walking out, and, like, we're going to get pancakes next week. <laughs> it's just, yeah, you definitely don't have to have that be a nemesis. I love the Arnold-Arnold team-up. 
you love it theoretically or you love how it comes together in this movie? I actually like how it comes together in this movie. I like the way Arnold plays off of himself. I think some of the split screens is a little bit shaky. Obvious. Yeah. I actually, Stuart, I say, I'll say it again. I thought the movie found some new life when they teamed up together. I don't enjoy 100% of what happens next, but when they start playing off each other and this plan hatches, I started getting hopeful again that we're going to get a good ending to this movie. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, I think there's egg all over his face at this point when they're like cool and making the thermos bombs and all that. Like, this is, I mean, dreadful is the word that I go to. Just dreadful. Arnold's a bad actor. Having two Arnolds is a really bad idea. If he hasn't learned how to act, then this is not helping your film. You have to sometimes go with a personality versus an actor. And that's what Arnold is. Arnold has never been an actor. He's been a personality. He's actually had some good acting moments in many movies, and I've seen him do quite well when he's used properly with a good director and things like that. He can give a solid performance, or they can work around his limitations to make him come across as a strong performance. Here we have Roger Spottiswood. So, I mean, take that for what you want, and my apologies to his family if they're listening <laughs> and they feel I'm insulting him, but I don't have a good track record with this guy. Air America, so be it. I don't care. I think that... At this moment in the movie, when you have a clone of Arnold Schwarzenegger and you don't have him pair up, would be a huge missed opportunity. They didn't miss this one. They got this one. They did the exact thing they should do in a movie about clones. You have him team up with himself. It makes complete sense to me. Of course that's what you do. But then you also hope to get a better performance than you do. And I think you're right to cite the fact that Arnold is usually good when he's being directed by James Cameron. But not too many other directors have gotten authentically good performances from him. Again, I think it's very clumsy. I think the effects in this movie are bad. I just, visually, this movie is bad. So them coming together and, and all of this shenanigans here at the end, yeah, it should have worked. It really doesn't work. I think the visual effects are a product of their time. Some work, some don't. I feel babies are being thrown out with lots of bathwater in your viewpoint of this movie, Stuart. Perhaps. There's an issue here at the end where they're pairing up and they're building the pipe bombs or whatever. They both have nicks on their chin. And earlier it was a way that he was trying to differentiate or the real one from the clone or whatever. And they both have nicks on their chin here. And I'm like, well, how bad the hell happened? And I think they tried to explain it away somehow. And I didn't understand exactly. I thought that was a good idea to like give him like a, a different kind of scar. But it, it was confusing to me. Did you follow that, Arnie? Yeah, this really was kind of messing with my mind, too, because I'm thinking, okay, you're cloning a person, you're putting them into a new body. All right, you're going to have some of the same characteristics. Oh, they can have Arnold's muscle mass. Presumably, if you had a fat man and you cloned him, the clone would suddenly become fat somehow. You've got that skill. Okay, but... You know, the scars and things like that aren't going to be there because it's a new body. And what they just have is this drop line, oh, the cut on your chin, easily replicated, as is the scar from your time in the war. I mean, they just say they can now suddenly replicate scars that they shouldn't even know you have unless they right. are doing a scan of your naked body. I mean, down to this point... Is Adam 1 circumcised and Adam 2 not circumcised? I mean, how would they know what to do? And this gets back to Brock's earlier point, which is the fact that this is a non-important person. In the whole scheme of things, you care about Drucker being cloned, 
but the guy that piloted him on the day that he got shot, the only thing you're trying to do is make sure no one connects his death with where the CEO was. And it seems like you can control that story in lots of ways, particularly when you have all these other clones and all of this money. The fact that all of this energy is being spent on Arnold, again, I just, why? This is so not the conspiracy. You're on a mountaintop. You can just bury people up there and no one's going to find them. Not mm-hmm. that I'm advocating for that, by the way. I'm not saying that's what I've done or have done or <laughs> I'm pleading the fifth on that. But I'm saying is that there are other ways. That's my point exactly. Thank you, Stuart, on that. However, what I see here is that they tried to make a solution and they screwed up and they're trying to cover their asses. Is the plot of this movie, right? So that's what's going on there. The fact that Robert Duvall spills his guts to this mistake and all these other things seems implausible, yes. And the way they clone people and why they choose to clone people seems really head-shaking. Because even Drucker, uh, Tony Goldwyn has a line, guys, try to be more careful. It costs like a million and a half dollars to clone you every time I do it. They don't seem to mind spending that money on Michael Rooker's minions, which doesn't make any sense to me. No, he does say that. He says that to Michael Rooker. and says, right. every time I clone you guys, it costs that much Try to make it worth it. And yet, at the same time, we're expected to believe he did this to the Super Bowl XFL guy because he had a $30 million dollar contract and they were afraid he was going to keep asking for more money again the fact that this cloning debate turns into corporate america is evil is so lame it's just such such an easy straw man to hold up to distract us from anything that might have been intelligent about this debate but the climax comes when after all of this when adam went in and met with robert duvall he also stole drucker's memory backup so now there's two pieces of evidence out there that they have to keep covered up it's not that you can't make a new backup of drucker's memory that's fine he doesn't need that specific backup but that that backup is out there floating around is apparently enough to prove cloning exists so if adam or if this memory card get in the hands of somebody who gives a shit which isn't the police because they've gone to the police twice and the police don't believe them but if they get in the hands of somebody who does believe them it's going to hurt drucker so drucker has the goons do something smart for a change let's kidnap the wife and child and use them as leverage because we have been chasing this guy the entire movie and getting no closer to catching him Right. Just to be clear, though, too, just as I'm not advocating for people to bury bodies on mountaintops, Arnie is not advocating for villains to kidnap wife and children. Now playing does not contone that kind of violence. However, that is probably the smartest thing the villain has done in this movie as far as (laughs) villains go. Just want to say that. However, this movie takes another turn right after that when we have the half-baked clone, if you will, of Drucker always bothered me the two druckers right there and i'm saying bothered me in a this disturbs me kind of way the way one drucker strips the other one he's like you're not even gonna wait for me to die would you and all of that i i feel like you know this movie isn't servicing it well but it's postulating questions that will stick with me for two decades it's not it's on me to answer those questions this movie is not going to do anything except raise circumstances that will haunt me. Yeah, well, I mean, I liked it when it was about pod people. I mean, I do think this could be effective. Westworld, if you were watching that show, definitely gets into that, and its final two seasons is all about the robots leaving the park and infiltrating and taking over important people in the world. There is 
intelligent ways of taking on this material, but this is an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie, and hamstrung by those tropes and cliches, tell me that this is a moving climax for you. Now, wait a second. This is part of the movie where Tony Goldwyn is faced with himself and a not completed version of his clone. You would say that he's a, a basically maybe a, a monster version of himself, right? So could that be what you were looking for the whole time? Or maybe it's just too ham-fisted that, you know, he's confronted with the monster he has become. No, that's fine. But then you have cut to Arnold Schwarzenegger when the two bodies are lying on each other and he makes a screw yourself joke. I mean, that's the problem. That's why this thing fails. It's because they have to go there with this. Mm, that's, you know, Arnold being Arnold. The thing that got me is this really called out this movie's PG-13-ness. There had been a couple of times where the camera had cut away from wounds and things. I'm like, ah, the MPAA didn't like a shot of blood or something. And what Arnold had earlier said was, go fuck yourself. And now he says, oh, when I told you to screw yourself, I didn't mean it literally. Well, that's because you can't say fuck twice. Uh, saying fuck wouldn't have changed the sentiment. The sentiment <laughs> is that we have to always bring it back. And don't get me wrong. Total Recall had a lot of intelligence things to say about memory and reality and entertainment and artificiality, and yet still managed to be this stupid Arnold action movie. It makes me appreciate that movie more watching this version. I find this ending to be suitably exciting. I like the bomb aspect. I really do like that they have this bomb that's going to blow the whole thing up. The helicopter chase away is keeping me entertained. I I wondered if they'd kill one of the Adams. I couldn't remember how they finished that. I knew there had to be some kind of resolution to this. And so I wondered if one might die here in the end, leaving the other one to carry on. It would be very interesting if they killed the not-clone Adam and the clone Adam had to carry on with the family and things. But... No, they're both going to escape, blow up absolutely everything at the corporation, kill Michael Rooker, of course. Yeah, that feels like a last-minute switch, like a test audience thing. The idea that one of them's going to go to Argentina, that feels totally random and like, they did kill this clone, right? Or maybe they killed the real guy and the clone would have to take over. That would be dramatically... I'd like that ending. Dramatically, that's where you would go. That's what you would do, because if you were asking questions about what is real and are clones good enough, that opens that door. But here, they just don't want to open doors. They just want to say, they both live and maybe there'll be a sequel in Argentina. Well, wait, but did the clone Arnold get some sort of, like, disease that's going to kill him in five years, or is he not hindered by that? There is a bullshit dropped line that reminds me so much of Blade Runner. It's not even funny. At the end, they're like... They scanned my DNA, and I don't have a disease. It's kind of like the voiceover Harrison Ford saying that Sean Young didn't have the mm -hmm. limit in her life. But look, I knew they're going to be in two places at once because they dropped that line earlier. So I knew that this whole thing was a distraction, that the other guy was in the building. I knew they were using a remote control helicopter because they set it up earlier in the movie. And so all of that stuff was predictable in this climax yes at the same time it's a satisfying enough climax at the end here with the action scenes to wrap and tie things up i just think the clone aspect of tony goldwyn the vampire looking tony goldwyn whatever you want to call it i think that was the part that 
because I honestly, I can't remember exactly how the whole movie ends besides them going to Argentina. The last final beats, I can't remember how Michael Rooker even dies. But I, as Arnie said, he was haunted by a lot of these things for the last 20 years. The only thing I'm ever going to remember is the pale Tony Goldwyn clone. <laughs> that's the only thing that's going to haunt my dreams. It's a crazy old man fetus looking thing. Okay, so just so that I understand it, you feel like there's still power, even in, though the, this climax has been messy and largely forgettable, you're holding on to the idea of Tony Goldwyn's blank, half-formed clone clinging to life. I'm holding on to the fact that that's never going to, I can't ever unsee that. That it gets burned on my brain, so like some nightmare I'm going to have <laughs> goes mm-hmm. when Tony Goldwyn's going to hobble in there and be like, oh my god, it's the guy from the thing. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Use your Pennywise. Gotcha. Yeah, like that's all. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Not because of how deep and how impressive I was and how the monster confronted some blah, 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 that he's looking inside his proverbial soul. And no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about he looks creepy. It's disturbing to me. And it was effective. It did the job. It got me. But Stuart, Arnie, did this movie get you? Do you recommend The Sixth Day? <laughs> Stuart? I mean, no, obviously not. But here's the thing. It, it might have sound like I hated this movie. Yeah, it did. I, no, it's just worthless. There's nothing more aggravating. And the tenor of my complaints is that you had interesting ethical debates that you choose to completely ignore to make garbage. And that's what's so angry. You guys framed this as there's good stuff here amid the junk. And I would say, no, there was a good idea that was turned into junk. And it was turned into junk by a bad director, like bad art direction. This movie looks bad. It's confusing and unfun to follow. It's not funny. I hear some pushback on that. Some of you thought Michael Rappaport was funny. I didn't find anybody in this funny. And the biggest problem, if there's one thing that might have saved this from like being completely forgettable, it would have been if you had had a different charismatic actor. If you could have found somebody that could have dramatize the duality but arnold schwarzenegger is not the right person for this vehicle despite the fact that they were trying to make total recall 2 it should not star arnold in the year 2000 he has aged out he is not equipped there are better action stars with better acting chops and i'm glad to know that this retrospective is of his action heyday is coming to an end because he is definitely something you want to leave in the last century you just seem so angry about it like, I understand being disappointed by a movie not living up to your expectations, but the whole time you're talking about it here, it's like you're angry they did this. Like, it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie. I didn't come here for an ethical debate. We got one. It's fun. I had a good time talking about it with you, Stuart. But it just seems to me that you're just really angry at this movie. Yeah, it's junk. It's complete junk. There's nothing I would say. I would erase it all and, like, start over with the idea of cloning and, and movie making. Just come up with a whole new concept. Don't save any anything about a pilot that takes people snowboarding and got shot that's no none of it all right arnie take total recall and blade runner put them in a blender with about a gallon of water and you end up with the sixth day i really think that there's a lot of philip k dick stuff going on here this could have gone in that retrospective and it would have been one of the better movies in that philip k dick retrospective i'm looking at you imposter yeah, so, for sure. <laughs> I mean, this and next or would be kind of neck and neck as far as dumb 
junk. That's one of the best? Yeah, it is one of the best. It's not the number one or number two spot. Next was one of the worst, by, as memory serves. You guys are just wrong about next. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> I thought of Next while we're talking about this. This is one of those movies like Next that had an interesting premise to start with and just went downhill from there. This movie has ebbs and flows and hills and valleys. Next had nothing going for it whatsoever, so forget that. I wasn't on that show, so I can't debate it, but I enjoy Next. And I enjoy this movie. I find dumb fun in this film. I don't respect it. (laughs) <laughs> but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy it. It's a one-night stand of a movie for you. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing that I really just walked away from this movie with, is it makes a lot of allusions to Total Recall, and it is not Total Recall. But it's so much better than that Total Recall remake. This is the best remake of Total Recall in existence. So There's only two. Exactly. And this one wins with a mild recommend. It's not a great movie. You've heard me complain about it, but I actually enjoyed it so much more than I thought I would. When I remembered coming back to this, I thought I was coming back to a real slog like Eraser. And it turned out that this movie was fine, forgettable fun. Mild recommend. So I'm closer to Arnie than Stewart on this movie. I think this movie poses a lot of thoughtful questions. I love the premise. I want to enjoy this movie more than you actually do. But I didn't hate it as much as I expected to hate it. And what's amazing is I wrote a review of this, like a brief little couple of paragraphs about this movie when I first saw it. I mentioned to you guys before, I saw a movie before, I completely forgot about it. It's like completely out of my mind. And so to watch it again here was like watching a brand new movie. It's amazing how five or six years later now, I saw the exact same movie. Like I did. Like I agree with myself. It's amazing. <laughs> it's just one of those weird things that I liked aspects more than I should or thought I could or would. However, I acknowledge this movie fails in what it's ultimately trying to do in being a fun time at the movies. There's more frustrating here than not frustrating, but it is by no means anywhere near as bad as you may think or may have heard it is. I think it does have enough good ideas in it to not be a completely disposable movie. That being said and I've said it already, I forgot this movie from top to bottom. So I'm not going to recommend it. I can't recommend it. It's a mild not recommend. It just misses enough good stuff to make it worth your while. But I applaud some of the effort, but I am convinced this got butchered somewhere along the line because there is definitely some great ideas here that would make a really great thought-provoking Ethan Hawke kind of movie versus an Arnold Schwarzenegger actioner. But you said, Stuart, we're reviewing movies of Arnold Schwarzenegger's action prime. I think he's past that point, but we still have one more to go, don't we? We do, but we're going to take a couple. We're going to take two weeks and watch some (laughs) other stuff. (laughs) Halloween is ending this Friday. We're going to cover that next Tuesday. One more week till Halloween. 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 One more week till Halloween. At least the movie. Yeah. So that's happening. And then The Rock, the heir apparent to the Arnold action empire, he's got a new DC movie that I know nothing about called Black Adam. 
and we're going to cover that before we get to collateral damage. Meanwhile, this Friday, we have such sights to show you. Our review of the new Hellraiser film is going to be out for our donors. I can't wait to review this film. The first legitimate Hellraiser movie, maybe since the 80s, maybe ever. Yeah, it's quite something when straight to Hulu is so much better than straight to tape. But I think (laughs) in terms of production values, it's inarguable. Those last 10 Hellraiser movies, actually all of them, were pretty underfunded. And this one looks like a professional, you know, had the money it needed to. Yeah, I'm really hoping we can finally have some real visual delight, some splendor. It really, this franchise, the Cenobite world, always needed to look better than the dingy nightclub vibe that it had. And so hopefully, we'll find out this Friday, they might have made the best Hellraiser movie since the first. Oh, I hope so. I mean, there's just so many places to go with it, especially since it always was a little bit of a sexual deviant kind of movie, and now we're in an era where things are so different than they were in the 80s, where just a little bit of leather and chains and pins aren't going to do it anymore. Piercings aren't scary the way they used to be. So I cannot wait to open that box and review the new Hellraiser That is out for donors. If you donated for Hellraiser when we reviewed it all those years ago, you're going to be getting this review added to your private feed, or you can donate this donation drive up at the Such Sites to Show You level and get all of our Hellraiser reviews, plus you get every level below that. You get our Adams Family reviews. You get our 100 Years of Dystopia reviews that are going to be coming out into the spring. The bees! The bees! You get Wicker Man! Yes, <laughs> Wicker Man. You get to hear all of the reviews of the M. Night Shyamalan films. Mm-hmm. That's true. He's got a new one coming. The trees! The trees! It's the trees! <laughs> <laughs> the bees! The trees! I love it. So all of that information is at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. Every penny you donate helps keep this show going and prevents us from being torn apart by Cenobites. So please support us if you have the means. So we're putting a pin in the Arnold Schwarzenegger series for a couple of weeks, and we'll talk collateral damage when we'll be back. If you believe that God created man in his own image, then you also believe that God gave man the power to understand evolution, to exploit science, to manipulate the genetic code, to do exactly what I'm doing. I'm just taking over where God left off. If you really believe that, then you should clone yourself while you're still alive. And why's that? So I can understand your unique perspective? No. So you can go fuck yourself. Thank you for listening to this Now Playing Podcast movie review. We hope you've enjoyed the show. That was spectacular. Come back to nowplayingpodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. Cool. Want more reviews like this one? In the archives section of NowPlayingPodcast.com, you'll find more than 1,000 in-depth movie reviews from our panel of hosts, including The Fast and the Furious, Mission Impossible, Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, and many more at NowPlayingPodcast.com. I'm offering you the chance to live forever. Never aging. Perfect in every way. Support from listeners like you keeps Now Playing Podcast on the air. You can donate directly at nowplayingpodcast.com. 
That way, you won't feel guilty that you're the only one getting something. And you can join our crowdfunding campaign for early access to new episodes, exclusive reviews, and bonus reviews. Always fighting. We always win. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. Well, what does this guy think? He's the president? Associate produced by Jason Latham. You remind me I'm still alive. Now Playing is edited by Heath and Arnie. There's no need to panic. I can fix this. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the views of Venganza Media Incorporated. Trade by your own mind. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created the film analyzed herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Try to stay dead this time. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of and may not be used without the express written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. So it's over, it's finished, and I quit. Well, I can't let you quit. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2022, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. I might be back. You'll be back. How about a plot summary so we can get going on the sixth day? This one was a bitch. Not as hard as shortcuts. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> but when your main character has so little to do with the plot... Mm -hmm. I have a boo-boo. And he even starred kind of with Arnold again. We reviewed him in Terminator Salvation. Didn't know that. I mean, <laughs> that was the one with Christian Bale... Yes. Yes. I saw that movie and I forgot that. Mm, very hazy. I remember a lot of people like underground shooting lasers. I have a boo-boo. Reminds me, what was the movie where the, the vice president was in on the conspiracy because his daughter was missing a leg or something? It, that reminded me of that movie. I can't remember the movie it is. I, it's a, it sounds like a movie I don't want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. <laughs> no, I think we have seen it. We have seen it. It's the guy who's in that thing. Uh, <laughs> it's not Iron Man 3, is it? It's Iron Man 3. That's it. It's Iron Man 3. It's Iron Man 3. It's it's reminding me of that. I remember nothing about amputees and vice presidents, but okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's on the uh, conspiracy because his daughter needs the extremists. That was what it was. Yes. Yes. Okay. I got a little lost there. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Robert Duvall and how he needs a clone for himself so he doesn't have to be in movies like this. The clone aspect of Tony Goldwyn, the the Nostra Fatu version of him, whatever whatever you want to call that uh, version, the the half completed clone. Did you mean Nosferatu? What did I say? Nostromo. Not sure. <laughs> yeah, Nostromo. <laughs> I thought I was thinking about the movie Alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a word that I'd never heard before. Nostromo. Alien. I'll rephrase it. <laughs> the vampire looking Tony Goldwyn, whatever you want to call it. And we'll talk collateral damage when we'll be back. 
Did you notice Arnold said we'll be back in this or I might be back? He says I might be back. Yes, I might be back, <laughs> but we will be back with collateral damage. I have-